Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Apalachicola. We pray that these messages challenge and encourage you. Now let's get into the Word together. Before, uh, before the kids leave for Children's Church, Mr. Zach, could you come up here a minute, please? Come up here and see me. Come see me. Come see. <laughs> AJ. Y'all two, y'all two come see me a minute. Y'all come here. This is my buddy right here. Come here, come here, AJ. Can you do it? You know what to do. <laughs> come here, no, come here. <laughs> this is this is my little buddy, and uh, Zach is is uh, uh, gonna go to the doctor and have a little surgery, and I'd like for us to pray for him. I'm gonna pray for you, okay? All right. So what I'm gonna ask? Come here, Mr. Jeff. Come here. We'll have our, our ministers. There's an Earl. Put a little Earl on him right there. <laughs> and we're going to pray for you, buddy. Okay? He's going to put a little dot right there on your head. It smells good. Woo! <laughs> okay. Right, go ahead. Y'all guys pray for him. All right? Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, I love you, we humble ourselves before you because... You told us to call on the elders of the church when mm -hmm. we have an infirmity. Realizing that first requires us to humble ourselves. And Father, in the name of Jesus, as a congregation, as mm -hmm. a small body of believers, we humble ourselves before you, recognizing that you are God and we are not. And then we want to confess our need of you today, our dependency on you. Father, we agree in one accord that we look to you and you only for our provisions today. And Father... You see this young man that's going to be a mighty man of God one day? Mm -hmm. Bless, Father. Bless as we look to you for that. We expect that. We desire that. We worship you for that. Bless this young man. Mm -hmm. Bless those doctors. We know the doctors are instruments in your hand. They're mere men just like we are, Father. Use them and bless them. And be with his um, loved ones and those that care about Him, Father. Build our faith through this. And bless. Thank you, Jesus. We receive yes. it, Father. We receive it and we mm -hmm. thank you for it. And anybody else in this congregation that has not humbled themselves and asked for help, that this morning they would feel the freedom. Freedom to raise those holy hands. And freedom to call on the elders to lay that anointing oil and lay those hands on them just like the Word tells us to. And God, I know, I, I know, God, that you will honor our faith. Anytime we will use it, you will honor our faith. And we give you the glory for all this. We give you the glory. Praise that name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, buddy, have fun in Children's Church today. Thank you, okay? <laughs> Amen. All right. Now I need, who, who, anybody here have faith to pray? Stand up if you got faith to pray. All right, stand up here. All right. Miss Virginia, would you come up here, please? I put you on the spot here, sweetheart. I tell you what, you can stand right back there where you're at. You don't have to come up. You can stand right there. I'd like for y'all, somebody to come take this oil and y'all surround that woman of God right there and pray for her. She needs some special prayer, okay? She's facing a situation, so she needs prayer. I need y'all to intercede to God on her behalf. Let's be the church this morning. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Bless God. We have a lot of practice y'all sit down we have a lot of practice of coming to church we just need more practice of being the church you only believe what you do if we say we believe in healing and we never have an opportunity to pray over people and pray for them we really don't this is what that box looks like if you've not seen it you're new into that. This is the box. They're back there in the back. And this, this will go to different parts of the world for kids who don't have anything. And it has instructions inside. And your bulletin, you have instructions about what to get, what not to get. Debbie and I have been doing it for a few years now. And it's just, it's, it's just fun shopping for it. <laughs> you know, thinking about what them little rugrats want. Because uh, I've been to India, went into orphanage, orphanages in India, went to the ones in Africa. And I saw these kids, you know, 30, 40 kids living in a little um, hut in an orphanage. And the only thing they have is what is supported by the pastor and their church. And what they can get people from other countries send in there. And um, so we gave them money to, to do two things. To buy some goats so they could have milk every day. And the second is to buy some sewing machines to teach them... A trade so that they could become self-sufficient and and uh, uh, learning a trade of something and so um, doing well I get a lot of input from that Ephesians Ephesians Debbie uh, y'all saw me run out when I got a phone call Debbie is over at her mom's uh, place in Port St. Joe they have a meeting with uh, her sister and two brothers about the estate and uh, we prayed this morning there at the house. It would go well. Um, you know, when you're talking about estates, it's not always family. doesn't always act like family. So, uh, <laughs> so we're praying about that. That's why, and I got the phone call, so I thought maybe it might have been something emergency about that. So I run back here, and it was the, my smallest little grandson who had got his mama's phone and looked it up and saw my name and decided to call me. He said, Papa, what you doing? I said, well, I'm in church. Why? I said, because I'm getting ready to preach. I'm supposed to be in church. Oh, I just called to see what you're doing. I said, give your phone back to your mama. <laughs> so we get blessings from strange places, you know, strange times. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, last week I talked about God being uh, sin, being against us. And, and I said that we're dead in our sins, we were, we were disobedient, we were depraved, we were doomed, we were headed to hell. Then I said that uh, God's work for us, which is in verses 4 through 9, and God's work for us, number one, he loved us. God, God loved us before he created us. God saw us and loved us before he spoke the world and the creations. And universes in existence. Isn't that amazing? Uh, for somebody to love something that didn't exist yet. Wow. So God loved us and he quickened us. He exalted us. He keeps us. All that's in those verses 2, uh, chapter 2, 4 through 9. Can you, and, and can you imagine that God's love for us, that he already has sent his son as a sacrifice before the foundation of the earth? It was already planned. Because God knew that he was going to make us. God knew we'd be in his image. God knew we'd lose that image. We would sin. God knew that he would give a system that would not work to teach us. And then God knew that he would send his son, who was spirit, whose word. And he would take on the form of a man and die on a cross. 
in order to redeem us. God knew that. God knew then that whatever role that the Son had in creation past would change. Because now the role of the Son is always at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. All heaven changed when man sinned. All the roles of heaven, all the roles that God had done changed when redemption was put into to the, to the will and to the process. That was amazing. Said that he quickens us, exalts us, and keeps us. Now we want to talk about if God, if sin is against us, God is uh, for us, but God is also in us. Now, every time I get up in the morning, I walk around, I'm just still overly amazed. And because God is in us, we can do things far beyond the flesh, the capability of the flesh. I just got through yesterday. At, uh, I started on Thursday afternoon. And uh, it was a 2,000-square-foot house. Every room had to be painted. Y'all know about my shoulders. Uh, this arm don't go up. This arm's got a torn rotator cuff, so it goes up with pain. Uh, uh, his uncle came down from Americas and did all the cut work. I rolled all day Thursday, 14 hours on Friday, and until noon yesterday and painted every room in that house and did it in the joy of the Lord. And, the only, and I knew that the only strength I had had to come from him because there were times I'm thinking, I just want to walk out of here. I'm done. And then we would we'd crank up the music, you know, in the, in, the, in the praise music. And it would just crank up and they'd just sing about glory and they'd sing about strength and they'd sing about uh, we can do all things. You know, when you hear that, those songs that's coming right out of scripture, it just does something in you. And it's just like, all right, one more room. Let's do one more room. And so uh, yesterday morning, when Richard and I got up, and uh, he said, what's the game plan? Now, here's what I told him. And I said, now, brother, for right now, when we're in this house, you're the boss, and I'm the employee. I said, I'm just here as a laborer working. I said, you're the painter. You're the boss. So you tell me what to do. And I said, after we finish the house, I move in, then I take dominion. You're no longer the boss. I said, but for right now, I said, for these three days, I'm just, a, I'm just a peon worker. So I got up yesterday morning, and I, I, mean, I have to admit, I hurt in places I forgot I had. Y'all been there? I was hurting. And uh, my legs, my arms, and, uh, and on top of that, last week I went and I got a severe sunburn. So uh, I'm peeling and cracking and, and there's blistering. I, I, I got these big water blisters on my chest and stuff. It's probably too much information, but anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so I was in a lot of pain. And uh, so we're sitting there at breakfast at Whataburger. Man, I got the joy of eating at Whataburger five times. <laughs> so we're sitting there eating breakfast. And uh, he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, why don't we uh, do the uh, hallway in the, and then we'll do the kitchen. And then if we feel like it, we'll, do, we'll finish those two small guest rooms. But we don't have to do those. And, and power of, you know, of the speech, I'm trying to talk him out of doing those two rooms. I'm like, paint it out. And he said, okay, that sounds like a plan. You know, we'll do the hallway, we'll do the kitchen. And then, you know. And so he went down the hallway and he went into one of the bedrooms. Then he went into the other bedroom. And as, as he's doing the cutting, well, I can't paint in the kitchen. He hadn't done any of the cutting work on it, you know. And so I just, okay. I told him he's the boss. So I went in there and painted one bedroom. I went over and painted the other bedroom. And then I come in. He's cutting the kitchen. So I'm pulling the, the stove out of the way and the refrigerator out of the way and, and doing some rolling and stuff. And after we finished, we just sat back and he said, do you know why I went down the hallway in the bathroom and the bedrooms first? And I said, no. He said, you would have quit if we'd have done the kitchen first. I said, you're right. And he said, I want Miss Debbie happy. And he said, so I was going to make sure this whole house was going to be done no matter how much it hurt. And, and he's, a, he's a preacher also, and he's the same age. We're the same age. And so he's got the same aches and pains I got. And, but he was convinced. He had a set a goal. 
in his go, here comes all the alerts. I've got them in my hair. Are y'all getting them? Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> it's an amber alert, right? Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we just pray for whoever's been abducted. And God, I pray for number one, that that child would be caught and, and redeemed and restored back to his family. Second, I pray for justice on the person who abducted. Lord, let your mercy, your justice, and your grace be in operation right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So no matter how bad our flesh was hurting, his number one goal was to ensure that Debbie was going to be happy. And then he just turns his cause when mama's happy, everybody's happy. Now God in us is like that. God knew that we're going to struggle, we're going to have suffering, we're going to have pain, and, and yet no matter, God's ultimate purpose, final purpose, is us to be conformed to his son. And so he's going to allow and do everything because, see, God, God desires to be happy with us and be pleased with us. Now, we know there's only one way for that to happen. It's in Hebrews eleven six, 6, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is and a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Amen. Hebrews eleven six. So when we pray, the object of our prayer is not our prayer. The object of our prayer is God. Amen. And the fact that God's just not some cosmic killjoy sitting on a throne up in heaven somewhere, he dwells in us to work mighty to fulfill the purpose. And when we feel like quitting, God is in there saying, there's one more room to paint. God, I don't know if I can do that. You can do it. Because if you do it by faith, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. And so, the ultimate of our salvation, the ultimate of our conversion. So when you got saved, that wasn't the end. When you came to know Jesus, that wasn't the end. That was the, the starting chalk. That was the beginning of the race. And it wasn't a hundred yard dash. It was an ongoing marathon that exceeded 26.2 miles. Anybody ever run a marathon? You, partial marathon? I, I, I have walked it before. <laughs> walked it. For hours. But I did not run a marathon. So God's says that uh, that which he started in you is going to go your whole lifetime. There's never a time, you know, and Brother Richard and I, his uncle, we get together with Iron Sharpens Iron. He's been in the ministry for a long, long time. And, and, and so he'll say something, and I'm going like, ouch. You know, and he's sharpening me. And, and I've been in the ministry for 42 years and, and written books and know the Bible. And, and yet this guy... Uses the word of God. And God through him just cuts me. Because God's not through yet. He's not through. And, and he's not going to be through. It says in, in uh, Romans 8.29. For those whom he foreknew. Who, how many in here did God foreknow? Everyone. Every one of us in here. For the, those whom he foreknew he predestined. To do what? What did he predestine you to be? To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, uh, when I go up into, uh, when I used to go up to Virginia, everybody would say, man, you look just like your daddy. Now, when I was small, I, I remember they, they, they would say, well, I can't tell whether you look like your mom or your daddy. Then I got older and they said, well, you're starting to look a little bit like your daddy. I got older and they go like, man, you like your daddy. Over. Should you stand like him, act like, talk like him? And uh, so it's just like following Jesus. So now here's Jesus. He ascends into heaven. He walks up to the gates. He goes in. He sits down. And everybody looks at him. Do you remember when he, when he rose from the dead and he's walking and two guys are walking with him? And he's talking and they didn't recognize him? Now they had seen him before. They'd walked with him before. But the glorified body is different. And the only thing that quickened their heart that they finally recognized him was not his facial expression, but the word and the glory that's inside him. They said, 
We should have known it was him. Didn't our hearts prick at those words? We should have known it was him. And so now here's Jesus walking. When he looks back, he wants to see this multitude of people that look exactly like him. Because didn't, didn't they say, when they, when they brought the disciples on, it says, we perceive that you have been with Jesus. When's the last time you heard somebody tell you that? Wherever. Man, I could tell you've been with the Lord. Or I could tell you've been in revival. Or I could tell you've been in prayer. Or I can tell you've been studying. You're starting to sound like Jesus. So in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, in verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now look at verse 17. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is today, so are we today. Thank you, brother. There is, and then he goes on, because of that, so you can imagine, as Jesus is in heaven today, so are we now. See, our spirit man is, is already, it's already changed. It don't need change anymore. But our soulish man is being conformed. It's being worked on. It's being molded. And it's not being fixed. It's being replaced. Uh, this week, Holly came and talked to me about personality. Now, I, I remember a, a woman left our church over in Germany because I mentioned about God doesn't care about your personality. He wants to not fix it. He wants to replace it. And she got offended about that because she, she said, I like who I am. I like my personality. I, I'm an individual and I don't want to change that. And she left the church mad. And so I sat down and I asked, I asked her, I said, tell me some of the characteristics of God that you see in me. I said, you've known me here now for two and a half years. You see me every day. I said, you've seen how I've acted in situations and stuff. And she, she started naming some stuff. And so she named them. I wrote them down. It was about 15 things. And, and uh, then I flipped the page over, and I wrote who I was in 1974. All the characteristics. And we laid them down. Totally different. I said, now, 1974, this was my personality. Even when I got saved, I said, this was still my personality. This was who I was. And God began to mold and cut and he brought stuff in because he lived in me and he says, now I'm going to allow, guess one of the biggest things God allows is adversity. He said, I'm going to allow adversity in because it tests our faith. And he said, I'm going to use things as holy sandpaper. I told people the reason I married Debbie, she's the best holy sandpaper that God could find for me. Because nobody, listen, men, you can test to this, Nobody touches you like your wife does. <laughs> now, you may fight against it, but every place that you get angry or offended is the places you're not dead to. Ouch. And the same thing for women to the men. Because we don't want to change. We want to stand. This is the way I am. You just have to take it. No, I don't have to. And God don't either. And God says he won't. If you refuse to change, you die in your sin. Hello? So, took that list, and then I said this. I said, thank you for all the qualities you said you saw in me. I said, but in all those, every day, I still have to die to them. Because the love you see in me is still not perfect. It's still growing. The faith in, in me, because he says he moves from faith to faith, is still growing. I said, the kindness you see in me is still growing. I can't park there and say, well, here I am. I've arrived. I'm glow in the dark. Look at all these things people see in me. No, it's still growing. I'll be different 10 years from now than I am today. Amen. Unless I refuse to change. Because God is in me and he's moving me from place to place, faith to faith, grace to grace. And now listen, because he's doing that, look at the next verse in 1 John chapter 4. So 16, he talks about his love for us. 17, he's talking about that his, his love is perfecting us. Let me say that again. His love is perfecting us. But it's not enough to know that God loves me. Do y'all know God loves you? 
You don't have to walk in it. You don't have to receive it. You can just know it intellectually and have no effect on you. God's love in your spirit, man, could be sitting there dominant and never have any effect if it never moves out into the soulish realm and change you. So here's what happens when it moves out. When the, when the love of God inside of me, when the, in that fruit of the Holy Spirit that lives in my spirit under the Holy Spirit begins to move out and perfect and change and mature my soulish man, in verse 18, there is no fear. I'm going to say that again. There is no fear in love. What's the opposite of love? We would say hate. No, the opposite of love is fear. What's the opposite of fear? Oh, it's courage. No, the opposite of fear is love. See, we think, we think one way, God's words think something else. Because do you remember when Abraham, he's got a son. He's got a son of promise. Now, this, this son, God came and gave him a word. You're going to have a son. And Abraham's getting older than dirt. Sarah looks like a, you know, you know, a thousand miles of dirt road, man. She's aged. She's well beyond. Well, no, nah, it's not fair. She's still an attractive woman. So here she is, way past childbirth time. And God comes and says, well, y'all give me some time. Oh, past 12 today. Well, y'all give me a little bit of time. If you have to leave, please leave. If you have to leave, you have to go. But give me a little bit of time here, all right? Because we still got to do this, all right? And so God comes to Abraham and says, you're going to have a son. And, and, and God says, now, now you know, I'm, I'm, look here, God. I've got Ishmael over here. Let him be the seed. <clears throat> Do not pass, go. <laughs> Out. Well, I've got Eleazar over here. He's been my servant for years and years and years. Let him be the seed. <clears throat> no. So Abraham is trying to do God's job by putting someone in the place to be the blessing that Jesus is going to come from. That's going to be the seed that's blessing us. And God said, no, I'm going to give you a son. So finally, after years and years and years, here comes Isaac. Got Isaac. So now, here he is, just a young teenager. Is the apple, in fact... Abraham loved him with everything he could love him with. And then God said, take him on the mountain, sacrifice him. So he takes him up on the mountain. And, and you all know the story. You know, he's got, he's got everything but the sacrifice. He goes up there. And, and Abraham at this time is, is over 100 years old. So he's not going to wrestle a teenager down and put him on that altar. He had to be able to teach Isaac the love of God and the faith of God so much that Isaac would allow him. To, to tie him up like you would tie an animal. And, and Isaac would have had to be able to lay on that altar on his own. That's faith that he had passed on. Here's Abraham. And God stops him. And then here's what God said. Now I know that you fear. Now that I know you fear me, not love me. God, it, the love situation was already settled. But see, now I know you fear me because now I know that my love is perfected in you because where love is perfected, there's no fear. You have no fear of sacrificing. Sacrificing the promise, the, the seed that I promised you for all these years. And it says, and we don't know what was going on in Abraham until we get to, to Hebrews chapter 11. And it says, Abraham believed that God was going to raise him up from the dead. Wow. That had never been done before, but Abraham believed it. Perfect love. Cast out. Fear. There is no fear in 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out, throws out. It's violent. It's, that word is a violent word. It says when we're walking in the love of God, we violently push out fear. Well, I, I, I'm, fear I'm fearful what the doctor is going to say. About a month ago, six weeks ago, I found this lump about the size of a golf ball under my armpit. And I've got one here in my neck, same thing. And I didn't say anything, and I, I didn't want to say anything to Debbie because 
I was afraid she might be fearful about it, and I just kept quiet. It's like, I just called the doctor and said, why don't you look at it? And then I just forgot it. Now, I don't, I'm not anything special or anything, but I've just learned that fear is false evidence appearing real. Why fear something hadn't happened? Why even fear something that has happened? But why waste time fearing something that hasn't taken place yet? It might not be nothing. So I remember, I think I come in and told Holly. Yeah, I come in and told Holly. I said, I'm going to the doctor. I got a lump under my arm. I'm going to the doctor. I ain't worried about it. So I don't even think about it. I said, I didn't even told Debbie. I said, just go in there and let them look at it. And uh, so I went in there, and the doctor looked at it, and they took me in, did a CAT scan and stuff like this. And, and uh, they said, we just think it's a fatty cyst. You're all right. I said, we're 95%. I said, I was 100% sure. I said, I was fine. Now, I could have just fretted and worried and cried and, and everything. Like, it would have changed anything. Even if they said it was cancer. Would it have changed anything if I was fearful over it? You know? So... We burn up energy. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. How does the Father work in us in Philippians 2.13? For it is God. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you. To do what? Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, you ever, you ever, you ever want to... You know you're supposed to read your Bible. I don't want to. I've said this because I know probably everybody in here has had some time. You'd rather go to sleep. And, and if you have insomnia, you have problems sleeping, just grab your Bible at night and go to bed. You'll be asleep in two or three minutes. It's called devilitis, man. He'll put you to sleep immediately. You know. But, but have you ever, you ever just willed to do something that you knew was wrong? I, it's a rhetorical question. I'm not some, anybody jump up and go, well, that's me, man. Yeah, no, don't do that. You know, yeah. <laughs> I know I have. I knew that when I did, how about this? We have dinner on the grounds. And that first plate of food I go through, it's blessed because we prayed for it and it's blessed. And that second one is somewhere borderline. But that third plate, now what we're going to do about gluttony? Gluttony is still sin. It's one of the seven deadly sins mentioned, you know, and, and Billy Graham wrote the seven deadly sins. It's right there with murder. Okay? Gluttony. But Baptists, we don't talk about gluttony because we eat. And we like to eat. And so I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, I went through and I've got some of this person's and this person's this person. No, I need to go through because I'd missed this. And I'm going, like, wait a minute. Miss Joanne bought 15 plates. I got to try at least 10 of them. There's just, you know, and, and, and so we eat and we'd enjoy it, but we know that that third one wasn't the will of the Father. That was the will of the flesh. But when we walk with him in us and we believe about him in us and walking in the power of him in us and walking under the control of him in us, then it is he that makes us will and work. Then we do what his will is and we work his work. Is there, everybody in here has seen needs, right? There's needs everywhere. Uh, I get called all the time by people who don't have money. What Jesus said, the poor will always be among you. There's no way we can meet all the needs. There's no way we can do everything that needs to be done. So we need God to show us. God, would. This morning we talked about that. All the disciples are headed down in one direction because they knew they needed to be out teaching and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They needed to be winning somebody to Jesus. They needed to go and plant some churches. And while they're on the way, the Holy Spirit said, Hey! You need to change directions. You need to come over here instead of being over there. And he used a man to stand up and urged him and he felt the Spirit leading him. And seeing if we're under the control of him who is in us, then we work the work that's God's work. Didn't Jesus pass the man that was lame at the synagogue for three and a half years? He was saving him for Peter and John. Jesus walked in that synagogue 
just as much as anybody else did. That guy was brought there every day. Jesus, and, and I'm sure he asked Jesus for alms, the same as he asked everybody else. And, and, uh, and saying, well, you, you're preaching from silence, but I know he went in the synagogue, and it says that the man was there. So he had to have passed him. And he was saving him because there was a power in another man. So that we couldn't say, well, I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. And so Peter and John wasn't Jesus either. But when Peter gets up and says, Silver and gold have I none. But what I have I give unto you. Stand up and walk. <laughs> and he stood. And then he did the Pentecostal shuffle. It says he leaped and shouted for joy. <laughs> Some of us just need a good touch in the healing just so we start leaping because, you know, it seem like, seem like we won't do it unless God does some supernatural thing. And God's called us to leap for joy. And he said the guy leaped for joy. And he went in and began to testify. Well, the religious people get mad when Jesus heals somebody. Even if it's through somebody else. God is at work in us. He works three ways. He works through the word, he works through prayer, and he works through adversity. And I'm going to finish that tonight. The three ways he works. Through prayer, through prayer, through the word, and through adversity. Especially through adversity. All right. We're going to have a minute, and then we're going to have our Lord's Supper. If you need prayer, we've had some prayer time this morning. If you need prayer. Or maybe you just need to say, Lord, just put your hands on your chest. Lord, work in me. I've been fighting you. Work in me. Do your work in me. I've been pastoring a lot of churches. And I've got stubborn people in every church I've been in that thinks that their problem is me. If we could just get rid of that preacher. And they have never looked at the thought that maybe their problem is deep inside of them. That they refused to surrender and be broken by God. And they just go from preacher to preacher being more stubborn. More stiff-necked. More rebellious. And still everybody outside. You know, and, and, and I've, I've, done, I've worked with, I've counseled guys who've been married and divorced four, five, six times. And they think that they had five bad wives. <laughs> I just can't find the right woman. I said, well, maybe the problem is you. And they just couldn't see it. God forbid. I'm a good man. I'm a good catch. I caught five. <laughs> I'm a good catch. <laughs> yeah. Got a hole in your boat that keeps leaking out. <laughs> and we just need to go, God, in me. Be God in me. Change me. Forgive me. Make me like your son. You said you would do it. I give you permission to do it. Now, the only way he can make you like son is start surrendering things that doesn't look like him. And the only way you know the things that don't look like him is get in the word and find out what he looks like and go like, hmm, I don't look like that. I don't talk like that. I don't act like that. <laughs> God, mold me. So we'll have a prayer time. Maybe God's leading you to be saved. You've never been saved. You want to get saved. I don't assume everybody in the church is saved just because they've been a member of the church forever. Debbie got up and gave her testimony one time. I had two deacons and two other church members. Four people in the church come forward and got saved. Two deacons got saved. Been a member of the church for years and years. Lost. Had religion. Never got saved. Now, deacons, don't you all feel like I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to tell you lost, man. I mean, so don't do that. Don't let the enemy yell at you about that. Maybe you need to unite with this church, be a part of this fellowship, and say, I, wanna, I want to be a part of the work that God's doing here. I want to help build this church. I don't want to be just a pew jumper and a pew setter. I just don't want to come and sit. I want to build what God's building here. I want to take my talents, I want to take my gifts, and I want to work here. And I want to be a part of it. I don't know where I fit yet, but preacher, help me. Find out what my gift is and plug me in. If I'm no more, and we got some that says, I feel led to just come out here and smile at people when they walk in the door. That's important. You, know, you only get one chance for first impressions, right? Find out where I fit. Get plugged in.
Let's pray. Father, we know your word. Your word is true. It's all true. You didn't just say something. You said there's no fear in love. That God, your love, when it's perfected, it casts out. It's violent against fear. So this morning, God, if there's any fear in us, we ask first, forgive us. Forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us, Father, for not allowing your love to perfect us. And we ask right now, Lord, fill us. We receive. We become receivers of your, your magnificent, your glorious the love. Just come and fill us and cast out fear. Father, we choose not to fear, not, especially not to fear the unknown and unseen. <coughs> And God, and allow the enemy to take our mind and, and run rampant with things that could be that's not. We have no evidence of it. And Father, forgive us for that. Lord, we just want to stay in the place of your peace. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. And we receive that. Work your work in us. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, leaders, y'all want to come and share the, the Lord's Supper as we break bread? Who we got here today? Mr. Wallace, you helping us today? Come up here. Praise God. One of the things that we're looking at also, we had a meeting We had a meeting and, uh, with the deacons, and we're praying for adding some deacons to this church. Uh, servants, not titles, but servants. And there are qualifications for them. And, uh, and so we're, we're praying about that. But if you, as a man, feel that you want to help serve in this church and you want your life to represent what the Bible says is be a deacon and you want to be a part of that, you contact us and let us sit and talk with you and pray about that. Uh, we need men who's going to stand. Our fellows are getting, a, as they say in the West, getting a little long in the tooth. We're getting, getting a little bit of age on them. And, and so we need some, some guys who can still uh, put their hand to the plow. I, I get shocked sometimes all the work I see Mr. Oscar up here doing and and it just, sometimes I just kind of feel like I need to kind of stick around beside him and make sure that he's not going to do something, you know. Miss June honors that, you know, when I babysit him a little bit. And, but the guy's amazing, the work he does. Okay. In uh, 1 Corinthians, y'all sit down for a second, let me read the passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Thank you all for giving me some time today. You've only got, I'm only going to preach one more Sunday. Next Sunday we've got the ordination. And Pastor Bill and I will share in the ordination. The following Sunday, Justin's going to preach on the 21st. And then the 28th will be my last message here. And I'm not trying to get a year's worth of preaching in one day. Just let me, let me go a couple minutes over. Your, your food will be there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, reading from verse 17, but in the following instructions I do not commend you. And uh, <clears throat> I'll go on down to verse 23. But I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was uh, betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after uh, supper saying this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes praise God how wonderful that is and y'all know the rest of it we've read it you've examined yourself and we want to have this fellowship we want people to come in and always say this is a sweet fellowship and it comes from recognizing the work of our Lord in us Gentlemen, if you would pass this out, please. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sir. in our plans originally what I was going to do today is just come in and read the scripture and then Debbie and I want to stand here and we want to personally give the Lord's Supper to each person individually as you come forward because this was our last one and we wanted just to pray for each one of you individually and have the whole service cut that but she had to go and it was important that she be where she is and so maybe we'll do that again sometime you're very close to our hearts we love y'all guys and to be able to take this together it's very, very sweet and important for me to you. And I pray that our bond, our love will always. And when I first came here two and a half years ago, I said, I'll never be all of you's pastor. I don't plan to be, and I'm not going to make myself. And I'm not going to compromise to be everybody's pastor. I may be your preacher, but I'll only be the pastor of the ones who allow me to love you. And you love me back. Then I'll be your pastor and your shepherd. The rest of you, I'm just your preacher. You know? And so it's special bond but, and it, it'll go on forever we'll be back a lot you know I, I'm still in touch with people from the first church I've ever pastored so uh, I'm very much in staying in touch and I, I just love y'all guys and want you to know that and I thank God that this made it possible Amen. it was this the broken bread of our Lord Jesus it says he gave thanks and then he broke the bread and he ate and brother would you Father, just as a small group of believers, yes, we want to give thank you, you a Jesus. genuine thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And he took the bread and he ate. I'll just help each other pass it back and forth. God is good.
What an amazing revelation for the disciples as they were standing there. It's in Matthew when the Lord broke the Lord's Supper table. And Paul comes back and tells us, and he says, uh, <clears throat> In the same way also he took the cup and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this often as you drink, be in remembrance of me. And for thousands of years, they were under a covenant of works, a covenant of law. And all of a sudden, he said, here's a new covenant. It's a covenant of grace. We're not forgiven by the blood of lambs, goats, sacrifices, grain offerings. God doesn't want us to bring a sacrifice other than ourselves. That's what he wants. Broken and poured out before him. It's the only sacrifice that he desires. is for us to say, Lord, I die to you. We have songs that says, hide me behind the cross. Come to the foot of the cross. Both of those positions are the wrong position for us. We're supposed to get on the cross because we're crucified with him. And that's what this represents. Brother Wallace, if you would pray, please. Dear Father, we just thank you so much, Father, for what you did for us, Father. Father, we take this drink now in remembrance of Christ and yes. the precious blood that he yes. shed on the cross of Calvary for the forgiveness of our sins. And Father, we pray that you forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And he took the cup and he drank. Thank you, guys. I love you. Says they dismissed in song. I'm going to ask Joan to play, and y'all guys are dismissed. Go fellowship with one another. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your week. Pray about Wednesday. We've got a storm coming in. Uh, be safe. We'll have services here unless it's, you know, bad winds or things. So just stay in touch. But pray for safety over one another, and especially people over in the Pensacola area. So, amen. So stand up and fellowship.